Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Patricia Raskin Positive Living Program. And in our first half hour, we're going to talk about You know, the pain of going through grief and recovery when we're older. And our guest is Vicki Saloum. And she, her novel is about Annabelle Joseph, who confronts the pain of an ordinary day after the death of her husband, Logan. And she embarks on a crusade to find a new love for her life. And this is, uh, this is an issue that faces many older women, and I'm very happy that Vicki's going to talk about it today. Welcome, Vicki. Hi, thank you. Nice to talk yes. to you. Thank you. Want to let the audience know that, now Vicki, did I pronounce your name correctly, Saloum? Saloum, that's correct. Saloum, okay. Vicki Saloum is the author of two previous novels, Candyland and Faulkner and Friends, and one novella, a Pray to St. Jude. She's had many short fiction as well. And she, she holds an MFA in creative writing from Louisiana State University. So tell us, in terms of this novel, was, there any, was this based on your own story or people that you know? Yes, Patricia. You know, um, my, my husband died, and um, I found myself not being able to really talk to people about what was going on with me. Uh, we'd been married for a lot of years, and I couldn't really talk to people. I, I figured, you know, they don't really want to know what's, what's going on with you, but I really needed to get my feelings out. So I, I started writing to, to my uh, best friend, who was my husband, in this mm. old notebook and, um, and about what was going on with me every day after he passed. And that became the beginnings of this novel. You know, this novel is partly autobiographical, but it's also, it kind of veers out into the imagination. Things happen mm-hmm. in this book that never really happened to me. Interesting. Now, you know, there, there is, there can be uh, an assumption and sometimes it's sexist that divorced or widowed women over 50, are, you know, won't find love again or passion. Um, and, and do you think that the stigma does exist? And, you know, why did you choose to tackle that in your novel? Because I was an older woman and I was going through this, of these feelings that came to me after my husband died, surprised me so much. You know, I felt so very alone. And then you know, as much as I adored my husband and I grieved for him, I found that I wanted the life that I had before, somebody who truly loved me, somebody I could be happy with. Mm-hmm. And um, and you have to have hope in your life. I just couldn't yes. imagine the thought of living alone. So yes. I began to hope that there would be somebody like my husband that I could find. And did that happen for you? Well, it... You know, my husband has been gone almost exactly three years, and I've dated other people, but no one that I would want so far to have a really long-lasting relationship with. Mm -hmm. But what has happened since that time is I have grown so much as a human being, and Mm -hmm. I realize that what 
brings happiness to my life is what I can do to bring joy to it, not what other people can do. So I'm learning yes. how to live a life, you know, that yes. I'm learning things that I never knew before. Which is, which is so important. You're learning that you can have a life and it can be a good life is what you're saying. Absolutely. And it's your choices yeah. that matter. It's not what other people do. Yeah, exactly. Now, in your book, you talk about caring for a sick spouse. And, you know, that's a task that, uh, that take, can take someone out of love. Even a loving partner sometimes feels burdened. What's the best way to deal with these emotions when you have a spouse who's ill? You know, I think you need to have some, you can't be exhausted. When I, when I would get exhausted, I was really not a very nice person. I was just so irritable and I was, I would get depressed, you know, and I think a lot of people are like that. You've got to get some rest if it means hiring somebody for, you know, once a week to just sit with your husband and, and, Stay up with them all night so that you can get some rest. That's mm. important. And it's also important to really talk to somebody about what's going on with you. You, you, um, you have to take care of yourself if you want to be a loving person to the person who needs you. Absolutely. You know, your, your novel is very moving and at times painful you know, of, a, of a woman's search for seeking for that intimate part of your life. What was the hardest part about meeting other men and this whole concept of intimacy? Um, I think, um, well, you know, this, this novel takes place in the first year of her widowhood, and that's what I, I was going through when I wrote this. So there was not a whole lot of emotional stability in my life, my, the way I thought and my my desperate need for something was there, and it doesn't make you a very emotionally healthy person. So um, I found that I just clung to people that I really shouldn't have clung to mm-hmm. out of need, you know, out of loneliness. And um, I'm finding that that was a phase that passed. And um, I think now... If you can make, I realize now, if you can make yourself happy by doing things for other people, by being involved in other people's lives, by having friends and celebrating life every once in a while, that you don't have that kind of neurotic need and that you, your good judgment comes through and you realize that uh, you want to go out with people who are, have some maturity and some stability. So um, I think it's really important to get to know somebody for a really long time before you have a romantic relationship Mm -hmm. with them. Yeah, that's very good advice. And I've heard that a lot from dating coaches and love coaches, that you really want to get to know the person first, that it's very important. Yeah. Vicki, go ahead. Because, you know what amazes me somebody who really looks good from a distance and you hear them talk at meetings or you see how they conduct themselves in a superficial atmosphere you don't realize that within a purse people are complicated there's a dark side and there's a good side you don't get to know the dark side until you know somebody and you're with them for a while and it's better just to not 
get emotionally involved with somebody unless you become friends with them and know them. Yeah, good advice. Did you ever feel as though you were betraying your husband, your dead husband, when you were with other men? And is that sort of a normal reaction in the beginning? Yeah, I did. You know, in the beginning, when I was grieving so much in the first couple of months, I was so alone, and I wanted to be with people. I wanted that companionship. But at the same time, I remember one one person, I could tell he kind of had a crush on me, and he walked me to my car one night, and he just kissed me on the lips. I was so shocked because... In that moment in my life, my husband was so much still with me. Kissing on the lips was what we did for all these years. It was so foreign to have somebody do that. It was so wrong. And Mm. and even going out with people, it was just so wrong. And gradually, memory, the presence of your husband fades, although your love for him is always there. And gradually, you come out of that be with him, you know, and mm. become aware of other people, but it takes time. Yeah, and that my next question was, you know, uh, people comment sometimes behind a widow's back when she begins to date again. You know, is there is there such an appropriate, do you think there's an appropriate length of time for the mourning period? And when should somebody decide to start dating again after they've lost their spouse? It's a totally personal thing, I believe. It, when you become, when you begin to feel it's okay and it's perfectly okay to do that, that's when you should do it, not when other people give you permission to do it. Mm, yeah, good, good advice again. Are widows less prey for, you know, men that may not be as savory? I mean, what are some of the warning signs that women should notice when dating someone? Well, you know what? I, I made all the mistakes after my husband died. I just was so needy. And um, if when a, when a person begins to show you that his... You, you can love being with a person, have a really wonderful time with him, and he just... He, he, he fulfills all your, your needs, but when you begin to see that this person really doesn't have the moral character or the beliefs and values that you have, that's a warning sign. You mm-hmm. can't just excuse it because you know you wouldn't be able to live with those values yeah. in the long yeah. run. Yeah, and that's when you ought to start thinking, you know. It's interesting because so many people I've talked to that have had long-term marriages and are happy, and I ask them what's their secret, they say exactly that. It's same values, similar values. Even if their interests are different, the values are very similar. I know. And it feels like when a person has your values, it feels like coming home. I want to read you something. There's a Catholic priest who has, you know, he's written these books. And, um... And, and and he wrote something that is so beautiful, and it just expresses everything, and his name is Father Ronald Rawlheiser, and this is what he wrote. Our deepest longing is for a partner to sleep with morally, a kindred spirit, a soulmate in the truest meaning of that phrase. What people are really looking for, he writes, is moral affinity, someone to share their deepest values and truest beliefs. And it's just like coming home. That person is you, kind mm. of. Mm. 
Lovely. And on that note, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're talking to Vicki Salome, and her book is a novel, Waiting for You at Midnight. It's a novel based on her own life about Annabelle Joseph confronting the pain of an ordinary day after the death of her husband, who embarks on a crusade to find new love in her life. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Every day, we're surrounded by technical buzzwords and jargon that can go way over our heads. Now, there's a show that brings it all back down to earth. Tune in for today, Tomorrow's Technologies, with host Jose Negron. We'll not only explain the new technologies that are shaping our world, we'll give you the benefits and backstory of these technologies. Listen for T3 with Jose Negron, live every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. We are talking to Vicki Salome, and her new book, which is a novel, is Waiting for You at Midnight. It's based on the character Arabelle Joseph, Arabella Joseph, who confronts the pain of an ordinary day after the death of her husband, Logan. She embarks on a crusade to find new love for her life, and this is based on on the, the true life story of Vicki, and she turned her own experience into a novel. And she's a journalist turned fiction writer. She's written many short stories and three prior novels. All right. Welcome back, Vicki. Hi, thank you. All right. So let's go back into 
talking more about the pain of losing someone, you know, that you've been with a long time who you really love. The pain of loss can be unbearable. How does faith in an afterlife where a reunion is possible, how does that help ease the pain? Well, I tell you, you know, what got me through the grief was I've always had faith, but I really clung to it after my husband died. I just have such hope that there's going to be, um, I I do believe in, you know, a higher power. I do believe in a holy supreme being. I've always believed that, and I believe that there's something there who loves me, who's guiding me, and I believe that when I die, I'm going to meet that, I guess you, I call him God, you know, and it just gives me such comfort, and, and you know, I don't believe that because I want to be comforted. That's part of it. I just have always believed it, and it's, to me, it gives me hope. And everybody mm-hmm. needs hope. I don't care how mm-hmm. sick you are or what you mm-hmm. need hope. And I and I have such hope that it's going to be mm-hmm. that there's someone leading me through this world. And when I die, I'm going to meet him. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, my work is all about that. I mean, everybody I interview, it's all about giving listeners hope. So I really understand it. It's wonderful. Now, you write quite honestly about the struggles related to alcoholism and addiction. Do you think that people who've never gone through that experience can ever really understand the challenge of staying sober and the strength that it takes? No, you know, and I don't really expect them to. They have no idea what it's like to have a drinking problem. They will never understand it unless, I don't know, unless they go to meetings or they do some research or whatever, but I don't expect them to. And, and, and an alcoholic should just do what is needed to be done to save that person and not worry about what other people are thinking. Mm. Is this something you've had to face? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, no, my, my family, none of them have any drinking problem whatsoever. And they, they live in another state, but uh, they don't know a whole lot about alcoholism, but they su- support me. I mean, it's not a big deal. I've never had anybody give me a hard time or not really understand. We just don't talk about it, you know. It's, it's mm-hmm. my, my thing is to go to meetings and uh, to follow the steps of the program. And when I see my family, it's my family and myself. You know, alcoholism doesn't even enter into it. Mm-hmm. But this is something you cover in your book. In your yeah, novel. But, because that's a big part of my life. Um, the AA program is such a big part of my life. And it's given me the values to have a better life. Mm. Yes, the steps, yes. You're a woman of the traditional South, and so you were raised with certain prejudices against race and class status. Your widow character, who was a white Southern woman, she does embark on a sexual relationship with an African-American man that could have lasted if it weren't for the prejudices. Are certain learned taboos just too much of an obstacle to really overcome, even when the love of a good man is there? There there was, you know, when I grew up, I'm of Lebanese descent, so there was the old world way of, of, of living. And also, 
the southern way of living. I came from a very traditional family, and dating someone of another race from where I came from, Mississippi, was just not done in that day, which was good grief. I'm an older woman now, and that was a long time ago, so I was raised that way. But you know what I've discovered? This person in this book, this Arabella Joseph, she she met this uh, African-American, and they had a relationship. But what she discovered was it wasn't his the color of his skin that made her break off the relationship. It was the fact that they were so different. She was very educated. He wasn't, but he didn't. There wasn't a, a. They didn't really have anything in common other than they had a need to find somebody to love. They didn't have anything to talk about. You know, if this had been somebody that she would want to be with all the time and just never want to leave, it would be different and Grace would have had nothing to do with it. But it wasn't like that. She split with him because of. They had nothing in common, you know, it's an intellectual thing. Right, so it was more for her need to feel attractive and and, and be noticed physically, yes? Um, It it, it just was, she was bored with him, you know. Mm. At first, because he loved her so much, she, he fulfilled a lot of needs that she had because she was so alone. But she soon discovered they really didn't have anything in common. She Mm -hmm. was just bored with him. Hmm. And it had nothing to do with race. You know, if she had really loved him and they had the same values, she would have gone through anything with him, but it wasn't that way. Hmm. Interesting. So in a lot of ways, you work out relationships in your novels, you know? I mean, you, you work out what happened in these fiction novels. Yeah, but you know what? I've got to tell you, it's it's a novel but there's so much in that novel that never really happened. And this is mm. what happens to a writer. You, I, sometimes I start off with things that are real because that's what I know and they mean something to me. And then I go off in my imagination to things that never happen. Your imagination takes over. So a lot of these characters and, and some of the things that happened never really happened. It was just my, my fictional mind mm-hmm. working as you go along. Do, do you think that fiction and cultural stereotypes will still portray a widow as either saintly, uh, you know, who stay uh, chaste as keepers of their husband's legacy, or, you know, or the opposite? They become loose women who are on the prowl. Or is there an in-between in there, Vicki? In fiction, um, that is such a really good question. Um, I can tell you about life uh, the, you know, that was what I always thought, because I have all these relatives, they're women, they're my cousins, they're all widowed, and they have their children, they have their grandchildren, and that becomes their life. They don't really need romance. And then on the other end are the people who are so desperate for a love affair that they marry anything that comes their way. I never kind of thought about if, if there was a between. And in my own life, I'm finding out there is a between. There are people who do things that they would never do if they were happy because they're mm-hmm. widowed and they're a little bit 
mm-hmm. in desperate need of something, and there's a, there is a between, and those people should be written about. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. We, do, we, we write too much about extremes. We see a lot, a lot of extremes in movies and in books, yes. Of course, that's what keeps people reading a lot, but um, true. Now, the main character writes a painfully honest letter to her dead spouse, in which she confides all of her sorrow and her remorse and her longing. What do you think about confessional writing? Is it cathartic? Is it something that you did? Yeah, you know, it's confessional writing, and I guess that's what it is. It just felt good to have somebody that understood me to, to, to communicate with, and as simple as that. I was actually just writing to for myself, because I had no one really to talk to. It was very cathartic. And then as things went on, you know, I started thinking when I finished it, is this something, you know, that you feel comfortable being published? And then I thought, maybe it could help somebody else. Maybe somebody is grieving as much as I am and doesn't have anybody. Maybe this can help them. So... You know, I went ahead and and sent it off to different places, and I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing, but some women have come to me and told me that it gave them comfort, you know, and and that makes me feel good. Wonderful. What are your closing thoughts, Vicki? What would you like to leave our listeners with about, you know, having loss when you're older, uh, loss of love, and what would would be your, your message of hope? I would just say... And I do believe this. Life is such a gift. Don't let one day go by without celebrating and doing something magical because we're given this life and we have a responsibility to make it the best we can and to make it a happy life and to have fun and to feel joy. That's important. Thank you so much. How can people find your book? Um, Well, um, they can find it on Amazon. And uh, um, most of the online bookstores, book it's there. You know, they can just order it. It's all over New Orleans and the bookstores here, but I don't imagine it would be in a lot of bookstores anyplace else. But it's on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Is there a website? Yeah, I have a website, and it's www.vickysalone.com, www.vickysalone.com. Okay. Wonderful. Vicki, thank you so much for being on the program. It was thank really you. inspirational. Thank you so much, Patricia. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you. All right, stand the line for a minute. Okay, folks, that wraps up this first half hour. Uh, we have another interview for you coming right away, right after the break, right here on the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Stay tuned. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.